first time I'm meeting visitors every single Saturday night. It's exciting what the Lord is doing. We call this the Corona Revival, and uh, people are getting saved and baptized, and this week we were putting on the schedule another uh, baptism that's going to be next month, the week before um, Thanksgiving. So just excited. If you've come to Christ and you want to follow the Lord in public baptism, this is what the Lord says, repent and be baptized and you confess before others that what you've already decided to do in your heart. And so we've uh, baptized hundreds of people in the last 12 months. I was just reflecting this week talking with my wife. It's been 12 months. We've been with you guys for a year and we just want to thank you guys for welcoming us and allowing us to be here. And hanging out with you and getting in trouble in California. It's so exciting. It's so fun to be with you guys and hang out. Pastor Rob's down in San Marcos at a men's conference speaking at the late service tonight. But he will be here with bells on in the morning for those who are double dippers. Meaning you come on Saturday night and when Rob's here you come on Sunday morning. And um, so I know it's going to be a great message tomorrow morning. Well, if you need a Bible, please raise your hand. Our uh, servants team would love to give you a Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, that's a gift. You can take it home with you, start reading in the New Testament, and have God change your life. And also, we have an Anchored in the Word reading, which is a little pamphlet where we read through God's Word in two years. And you can join us in that uh, reading. And our passage comes from that. I've been choosing passages from the New Testament, and Pastor Rob's been choosing them from the Old Testament as we're moving through God's word. And our passage for tonight is Galatians chapter five. You're gonna wanna make your way there in your Bible to Galatians chapter five. We'll be looking at verses one through 12 with our message, Enemies of Liberty. (sighs) There's a lot of enemies of liberty. It seems that it's not only the devil's desire to bring people into bondage in a spiritual way, But it's also humans' desire to be bullies, whether it's on the playground at school and some thug is there to be a bully to the rest of the smaller kids. And moving around, I had that experience my whole life. And now we feel like we are living in a global experience, a plethora of bullies and those who would want to be enemies of us simply just enjoying liberty, enjoying family, enjoying our lives. And there was a group of Judaizers that Paul the Apostle was dealing with that would follow his ministry around, and they were enemies of liberty also. It was a different kind of uh, bondage they would bring them into. They would bring them back under the law. You see the law, there is enumeration of 613 laws that you need to keep as an Old Testament Jew. Now we have the Big Ten, but they uh, had listed them at 613 Paul the Apostle was preaching the grace of Jesus Christ, that you can come to faith in him through his death, burial, and resurrection. You can be right with God. And it was this beautiful contrast. The law would say, do this and live. But the gospel says, live and do this. It's the opposite of law and grace. And that's the tyranny that Paul the Apostle is addressing here in Galatians chapter 5. Stand with me. We're going to read God's word, starting in verse 1 of chapter 5 in the book of Galatians. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. 
And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. Father, we just ask, as we seek to stand in the liberty in which you have given to us through faith in you, Jesus, we pray that you would help us spiritually walk with you in the freedom that love, hope, and faith brings. Lord, we pray that in your grace tonight as we open your word, that your spirit and your kindness and your mercy would open to us the truths of your word. Lord, we also pray for our nation that is in a tough place. And as we look around the world, those who would want to rob people of the liberty of as citizens and their nations and the freedom to move about without a mask on their face or forced to take a vaccine they don't want to, to keep their job, Lord. People are in desperate ways right now. And so we just ask for your intervention of grace and help and that you would provide for your precious people through these hard times. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sit down together. We want to look, first of all, at holding on to liberty. You see, liberty had been delivered to the children of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in this process, notice the words that Paul the Apostle uses in verse one. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That yoke of bondage is once again approaching God based upon the laws of the Old Testament. Paul the Apostle, who is the great theologian of the New Testament, tells us the law was given to reveal to us sin. If you have a long list of rules and you look at that long list of rules and you realize you've broken this list of rules, you realize that you are a rule breaker, that you have fallen short of the list of rules. Therefore, when you have this burden of being a person that has failed the rules of life, then you're looking for a savior because you're drowning You're drowning in your own sin. You're drowning in your own failure. And the hope that is in Jesus when you believe that Jesus paid that full price for all that rule breaking and law breaking, and he gives you his perfect righteousness, you're liberated. You're set free. The moment that I fell on my knees and asked God to forgive me of my sins as a 19-year-old young man, it felt like the weight of the world rolled off of me. I hadn't cried. I didn't remember the last time I'd cried. I was weeping as I was jumping around the house, so excited about being forgiven, so excited about being liberated from my sin and the burden of my sin. And it's that kind of liberty. Who would ever, ever want to give that up? Well, the way you give it up is incrementally. Somebody comes along like they did in Acts chapter 15. And they say, oh, you know, it's okay for you to believe in Jesus. That's all right. But you've got to keep the law of Moses and be circumcised as well. You see, as a Gentile, a non-Jew, who had not been through the rite of circumcision, they were just preaching the gospel to these guys. But then when Jews would come along, they said, oh, no, no, no. It's okay to believe in Jesus. Yes, he did die on the cross, was buried and rose from the dead. But you now have to be physically circumcised like the Old Testament Jew. You have to begin to keep the law of Moses, the dietary laws, the Sabbath, 
all of the festivals, the feasts, all of these things, and they begin to bring you back under the law. Have you ever met somebody that is a modern-day Judaizer? This is the way it works. Maybe you've come across them online. Maybe they're a friend that comes along and throws his arm around you and says, yeah, I believe in Jesus just like you, but you know the right day is to worship on the Sabbath, on Saturday, for you Jews here, Shabbat. Today we would say Shabbat. You would say Shabbat Shalom. I would say back to you, Shabbat Shabbat Shalom. It's the way we do it, right? If you're in Israel on the Sabbath, everywhere you go, it's Shabbat, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shabbat Shalom. I mean, that just feels like what you do all day long is that greeting. You know, peace, Shalom. But the reality is, well, for other people, because you're, you see, you're here on Saturday. We're all a bit Jewish at Saturday night service, right? <laughs> because Sabbath, which many Christians don't even understand, Sabbath is not Sunday. They'll talk about Sunday like it's the Sabbath. The su Sunday's the Lord's day that he rose from the dead. That's why we meet on Sundays, because he rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And three times in the New Testament, it talks about the, the New Testament Christians meeting on the Lord's day. But you see, the Sabbath is sundown on Friday to sundown, which is happening right now, outside on Saturday. And man, Jerusalem or wherever you're at in Israel, it just like becomes a ghost town. It just poof. You can't get a cab unless it's uh, somebody that's Muslim <laughs> because they're not a Jewish cab driver to, to haul you around. But this is the way it happens. I've met many. I've had it creep into my church that I pastored for 25 years. Somebody comes in and pretty soon they start talking about the dietary laws and oh, you know, they start bringing them under the dietary laws. And then, oh, now it's celebrating these feasts and oh, it's about the Sabbath. And, and, and pretty soon I'm, I'm talking to them like, hey, 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 what are you talking about? What are you getting my people into? And you'll have, and, and oh, 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 we're not pastor, we're not, we're not bringing them back under the law. I'm like, oh, you totally are bringing them back under the law. Whatever your rhetoric is, you're totally bringing them back under the law. So for these Jews that came in and followed Paul to Galatia, the Galatians were standing fast as Gentiles in this incredible liberty that, hey, why are you going to heaven? How do you have a right relationship with God? Jesus died for us, was buried and rose from the dead, and through faith in him, we have a walk with God. It's all about what he did. And these people were starting to bring them with their laws and their rules and their rituals back under the law. Very much like the book of Hebrews. If you're very familiar with the book of Hebrews, Donald Gray Barnhouse, a guy I used to listen to years ago and loved on the radio, he had a very distinct voice. And he'd say, the book of Hebrews was written to the Hebrews to tell them to stop being Hebrews. <laughs> and that's the message to the Galatians. How are you getting pulled back under the bondage of law. How are those who are legalists are enemies of liberty? Have you ever been around Christians that are so legalistic, it's like they've been sucking on lemons all day? They have no joy, nobody's getting saved, they're a bummer to get, be around, they're absolutely miserable. <laughs> and I think to myself, no wonder they never get conversions because when somebody hangs out with them, who would ever wanna be like them? because they are miserable people. And you know what they hate most of all? To see Christians filled with joy and liberty. They just can't take it. 
They want to bring you back under that bondage. Jesus told us that he was the one that brought us into this liberty and freedom. In John 8, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you are free, not just free, you are free indeed. You are free in big exclamation point, and that's every single one of you who believe in Jesus, you are free indeed. And as Jesus sets us free in that liberty, the Spirit maintains that liberty because it tells us in 2 Corinthians 3, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Spirit wants to maintain that atmosphere of freedom and liberty in the hearts of God's people. But you also need to understand, not only can you get entangled again with this yoke of bondage, you have to stand against it, but you constantly have to keep in your mind, how am I approaching God based on my efforts and my works or based on grace? You have to hold on to freedom or you have to hold on to liberty, but you also have to hold on to grace. As it says in verse four, you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. And he mentions right before that, that it's about the circumcision. So they had this physical act, which is when you converted to Judaism, you got circumcised. The men did. And it's very much like baptism in the New Testament. When we get converted, we get baptized. And he's telling us if that you now you're a Christian, you're saved, you're right with God, and now you want to get, as this afterthought, kind of a PS to the letter to God, get circumcised. He said, now you're estranged from Christ because now you're trying to approach God by just cutting off this piece of skin, whereas your heart was already right with God. And he uses this phrase that has been misused and maligned and used in all kinds of uh, inappropriate contexts. He says that if you attempt to be justified by the law, you've fallen from grace. You ever hear somebody say, oh, they've fallen from grace. Usually it's a, a drunk who's got sober and falls off the right wagon. He's fallen from grace. Or a person was a prominent, successful, visible individual and somehow he did something wrong and he's, he's fallen from grace. But to fall from grace literally means to fall from the approach of unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor with the living God by his kindness to you and to fall back into an efforts-based religion, a works-based religion. For he goes on to say, As you have fallen from grace, Paul unpacking this in Romans 2.29 says, circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. You see, the reality is, is that the circumcision that the God was looking for as a picture in the Old Testament and the New Testament was a cutting away of the hardness of your heart internally, in your soul. And never to fall from grace in the sense that in your mind, every single one of us in this room is either moving towards God's God by earning and deserving or by believing and receiving. Believing and receiving can only happen through his favor, his unmerited gift of grace. As it says in Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Heaven would be a drag if everybody made it on their own effort there. Wouldn't it be a bummer? Everybody walking around telling, bragging about how they got to heaven. I helped 99 little old women across the street through my lifetime. 
I gave so much to the Red Cross. I did this, I did that. But all of these things that were Old Testament pictures, whether it's circumcision or it's the feast or it's the Sabbath, all of those are the shadows that were pointing towards the fulfillment that was in a vibrant, alive, living spiritual relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus. Where Paul tells the Colossians this in Colossians chapter 2. Let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. I encourage you, you should have this verse boxed out in your Bible, a couple of stars around it, maybe bend over the page, because legalists are going to come along, and this is the verse you're going to go to right here. You're going to go to it over and over and over again. Every time I bring them to that place, Hey, are you judging me because of my food or drink about my life? It's not, I'm not living a kosher diet from the Old Testament. Or regarding a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath, if I'm worshiping on a Sunday instead of this Saturday. All these things are shadows because Jesus is the substance. He is the fulfillment of all these good things that was, God was pointing towards from the Old Testament. Now, in this experience... We have to hold on to faith, hope, and love, which are the three great qualities that Paul likes to mention over and over in his different writings and in different order and different ways. It says in verse 5 and 6 of Galatians 5, For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. So hope. What is this eagerly waiting for the hope of righteousness? It's always the hope of Jesus coming again, the hope of the righteous one coming for us. How many of you are just excited about the day Jesus is going to come and snatch us out of this sin-infested world? Woo! Okay. All right. So we're excited about the rapture. Every now and then you just need a little rapture practice, you know, just ready to get out of here. Nothing left but smoke and shoes. So we have this hope. I have this hope that any day the Lord can come again. This is the promise of the imminent return of Christ. This is built into the church for 2,000 years. People, Paul the Apostle, writing this 2,000 years ago, eagerly waiting for the hope of righteousness by faith. So I am filled with hope about the certainty of coming good. Now, if Jesus doesn't come today or tomorrow, I'm still filled with that hope that one day I'm going to see him if I die and go be with him. That's why the child of God has so much to be hopeful of in this dark world. Because ultimately, I'm just passing through here. I'm going to heaven. So are you. Right? This is very short. 70 to 80 years, that's about what we get in this life. And uh, (laughs) then it's moving on. We're going to heaven for eternity. So Paul wants us to focus on faith, hope, and love. So there's hope. The hope of the Lord's return. The hope of seeing him face to face. The hope of one day being in his very presence and leaving this world with all of its heartache. As it says in the book of Revelation that he's going to wipe away every tear. Because we are going through a season of tears now. Season of heartache, struggles, people losing their jobs and various things. Verse 6, it puts in the same verse, faith and love. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. Whether you're circumcised, this piece of skin is, is cut off, or you're uncircumcised, it, it doesn't draw you to God. It doesn't avail of anything spiritually. But faith working through love. Genuine faith working in our hearts because we love God, now loving the people around us, loving God and loving others. The Ten Commandments were reduced, Jesus reduced them, down to two. Actually, even the 
people of the scribes or the lawyer that he asked answered the question. What's the two greatest commandments? Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. The second greatest commandment. So when I'm filled with faith, I'm loving God and I'm loving the people around me, even in the midst of hardship, even in the midst of difficulty. I'm filled with hope because I'm gonna stand with the Lord and spend eternity with him one day, but right now I'm filled with faith and I get to love the people that I'm around. Having community like this, isn't that so important to us? We realize that. How many people took the church for granted until the last two years? Right, they're shutting down and then people are putting masks on. I don't know if I shared with you guys, I was preaching down in uh, inner city LA to a uh, youth with about, 80 high schoolers, and they all had masks on, and it was, there was no, there's no reaction. There's no smile, there's no anything, right? And so even to come into a room like this, shoulder to shoulder, no social distancing, with no mask, is just like a hallelujah moment. It's like, you can hear the angels, That's why people that haven't been in the community for months, and they walk into our lobby, and they see people hugging and smiling and greeting each other, tears just start running down their face. He said, I haven't been around people for months. I haven't been with any community for months because they're terrified of a cold or a flu, depending on how healthy they are. So the faith, hope, and love that should be filling our hearts in a daily way, no matter what's going on out here in the news. And a little bit as Micah kind of let the cat out of the bag, I have scary things to share with you guys every week because I like to be in touch with reality. But God's bigger than those things, and our faith can face them. Because otherwise, we're just going through life actually trying to ignore that these things are even going on. Right? But we also have to hold on to this confidence. And in this way, I have confidence in you. Just like Paul the Apostle had confidence in those who he was writing to. He says in verse 7, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. He says, you guys were running well. Somebody's hindered you. This is not God's fault. These, these legalists have come in, and now they're, they're an enemy of liberty, and they're, they're robbing you of your joy. And this happened as you put a little leaven, a little yeast in a lump. It works its way through. It's incremental, just like our liberties have been taken away incrementally, right? Just a little bit at a time. That's what a legalist does. Pretty soon your, your world starts getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller because they keep telling you everything you can't do. They just slowly shrink your world to where they've sucked all of the life out of you. It's incremental. But Paul says this in verse 10. I have confidence in you in the Lord that you will have no other mind. He says, I'm confident in you that your mind, you are going to stay fixed in your mind on liberty. Haven't you realized that 90% of our struggles these last few years is all mental? It's stress, it's the news, it's this, you know, it's right, it's in our mind. He's saying, hey, I have confidence in you guys. Through faith, hope, and love, you're going to keep your mind fixed on the Lord, and we're going to get through this thing. We're going to get through it a day at a time, a week at a time, however it unfolds before us. And he knows that though they've been hindered and been entangled and lost some liberty, he's now confident that they're going to shake that off and they're going to come into a place of fullness of liberty again. He says, but he who troubles you at the end of verse 10, you shall, be, he shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. Whoever's doing that to you guys, he's saying, 
God's going to judge them. God's going to deal with that person that is legalistically bringing these Galatians under bondage. God will always deal with the tyrant. That's why we are to pray and trust God to deal with the tyrant. Let God deal with the tyrants. In verse 11, I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of Christ has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. Paul said, if I was going around continuing to preach circumcision, which the Jews had for 1,500 years, he said, I wouldn't be being persecuted. He said, the only reason I'm being persecuted is I'm telling them that the finished work of the cross, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection through faith in him, is the only way to get to heaven, and the Jews hate that message because they want them to hear about the law, they want them to be circumcised, they want them to you know, come back under the dietary laws and the days and the, the, the festivals and the feasts and all these things. And he said, that's why I'm being persecuted. It's just like today, if you, if you today are standing for liberty and you're pro-liberty, as we continue to say, I'm not pro-vax or anti-vax, I'm pro-liberty. We have lots of people in our church that have been vaccinated for health reasons or, or, or whatever the case is. We love them. We're glad they're here. We're not, oh no, they're shedding. <laughs> we're like, we're, we're glad you're here. Praise the Lord. Isn't this great? This is the fellowship for the vaccinated or the unvaccinated. We just want you to be free. Amen. Amen. But the reason right now some of us are being persecuted, if we just stop talking about truth and science about the vaccine injuries and various things, we would no longer be persecuted, right? If we just go get the shot and just shut our mouths, we'll be a good little boy and good little girl. We've got our jobs. We'll just do what we're told. Yes, Massa. Yes, Massa. I feel like Oliver Twist. When he wants another bowl of porridge. Can I have some more, sir? Can I beg? And the reality is that as soon as you stop standing for a conviction or a principle that you're standing for, you're accepted into their fold of their rules. And you just gave up some of your liberty and some of your freedom, and the next battle that comes along, you wouldn't dare stand up and resist again because you knew what that cost you. So once again, you just accept it. And it's like being killed with a thousand paper cuts, right? A thousand paper cuts of destroying your liberty. That's what legalism does. That's what tyrants do. It's this old playbook, you guys. It's been around for a very long time. And Paul the Apostle, in one of his rare, sarcastic, cutting moments, you see, these guys want to come to town, and they want to preach. I mean, just think about it. All right, men, I'm here. And if you haven't been circumcised, I got my knife, sharpen it. <laughs> Step up, men. Let's see who the godly, that's a whole different altar call right there, bro. <laughs> right? <laughs> How many of you are heading for the door? The ladies are like, wow, I'm glad that I'm not a part of that, that party. <laughs> But this is what Paul says of those people. He's so irritated by them bringing free, liberated people in Jesus back under bondage and entanglement. He says this, I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. 
Just like they're going around cutting off foreskins, he goes, I wish they would just cut themselves off. That's a frustrated preacher at that moment. You feel a bit that way as a leader that wants to love people or protect people or as a parent that wants to protect their child when people are forcing a mask on them or as Governor Newsom was this week doubling down on a vaccine for small children that are not even susceptible to COVID-19. When he, he wants, it's, it's, it's far from even being, I mean, down to kindergarten, first graders. It's far from even FDA approval but he wants you to know that this is what he wants to do to your kids. And it's so frustrating for people that just want their family to be safe. It's so discouraging. You see, you and I are glimpsing back 2,000 years ago at a struggle that Christians were having about losing their liberty because there were some enemies of liberty that were bringing them back under legalism. But you and I are living in our own reality of people that are robbing our liberty as citizens. Civil liberties more so, not spiritual liberties, so to speak. But I guess it is when it violates our conscience, right? If my conscience believes this, to violate my conscience, whatever I can't do by faith, the Bible says is sin to me. But we live in these really unique times, and we want to, in that role of leadership, be in a place that, just like in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, there were these guys from the tribe of Issachar, and they came and hung out with David. And I love what it says about them. It says, the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. They had insight at that time, the the prophetic things that were going on, and they could speak into that in David's ministry and what's going on. And we feel that way here at Godspeak, just to be that, that refuge of liberty, that refuge of truth, that refuge that is not afraid to speak up, even though it may be unpopular or there might be persecution or there might be consequences. Jesus told the religious leaders of his day, rebuking them for not really understanding the times they were living in, he said in Matthew 16, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. In the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. I believe sincerely that it is not only a shepherd's job to declare faithfully and cut right through the middle of God's word, just as I have for this last portion of our message, to declare to you this is the truth of what God's word is talking to us about, about spiritual freedom and liberty from those who would bring us under legalism. But I also think it is appropriate for a shepherd to speak truth that is going on in the world at large to his precious people so that they can know that they are not the only people that are losing their minds. Because you feel isolated, right? When you see all these things are going, you're like, well, how come that's going on? And that doesn't seem to be true. And what's happening over here? So that we can have unity. Because truth builds unity. Truth builds unity. And so I want to share with you the bigger picture of what we really see going on globally. And this is just stuff that's, as a matter of fact, it's on record, what's happening in the United States. But you can look at Australia. We have never seen a time in all of world history where the entire globe is going through what we're going through. And there seems to be the same coordinated effort. Why is that coordinated effort? What What seems to be going on in this socialist move towards communism Because you see there's this place called Davos. Anybody heard of Davos? 
Davos, Switzerland is this sleepy little town, in an alpine town, where the most powerful people in the world gather. They gathered this year in January at the World Economic Forum. And the guy that uh, founded this in the 70s is a guy by the name of Klaus Schwab. Now, Klaus is a full-blown socialist communist that is, uh, <laughs> that's where he wants the whole world to go. And it used to be a bit of a joke when we, you know, a few of the things I'm going to share with you, but not now, because the pandemic, corona has given them, according to their own estimation, an accelerated way to move forward the Great Reset. So the Great Reset is a way of reorganizing the world, and they have, that's the title, the Great Reset, and these people go to Davos that it's the president of China, it's the uh, prime minister of Great Britain, it's, it's the who's who, literally it's the who's who of all the world in politics, political offices, and billionaires that go to Davos to, to, to discover really how, uh, as you see this picture with uh, Klaus Schwab and the president of China, as if that's the model for the future, China, right, in communist China. Now, Davos is where billionaires go to lecture millionaires on how ordinary people live. You have to wrap your mind around it because they're sincere about it. Billionaires are going to talk to millionaires about really what the peasants of the world need because they are the elite. Davos is where the beautiful people with money to burn show up in private jets and limousines to explain the importance of controlling emissions and global warming. It's the epitome of hypocrisy, how they're going to tell us how, you know, it's global warming, the world is falling apart. Davos is where all the rich people go to decide how they're going to oppress the peasant population into happy compliance to their tyrannical rule. And this is their plan. It's a legit plan that has been accelerated by COVID. And the rhetoric, as you're going to see in a moment, is not limited to Klaus Schwab. Now, Klaus Schwab is a guy in his 80s from Germany that is bald, that looks like a nefarious evil character from a James Bond movie. And you'll hear from him in a moment. He just needs a really strange black cat, you know, on his lap to watch. Maybe a patch on his eye to top it off. He wrote this book in 2019, The Great Reset. Then he wrote the next, The Fourth Industrial Revolution, which is socialism with technocracy ruling the world. Now people, when I first heard about this a year ago, people said, this is a conspiracy theory. Oh, no, it's not. It's not a conspiracy theory. Now, if the Great Reset is the title of their movement, which it is, and it's a global movement because the movers and shakers of the entire world politically and economically are involved with this. Check this out. Their motto is build back better. Have you heard it? Have you heard it? Build back better. Roll video if you question what I'm talking about. This is their model. It's a very pertinent question to ask how do we build back better? To build back better or whatever. We have a chance to reset the clock and build back better than before. To build back better than before. Remember 
the, the terrible damage of COVID as we try to build back from this uh, global pandemic. Joe Biden calls it build back better. Build back better. Building back better. To do things differently. To build back better. We're going to build it back better. And build it back better. To my plan to build back better. Uh, start taking all the problems that have been created in right. education and mental health and start to, to build back in a positive way. I have launched a booklet called Build Back Better, written after coronavirus. It's about building this country back better. Growing conspiracy following it. It is called The Great Reset. An unprecedented opportunity to rethink and reset the ways in which we live. The great opportunity for reset. The theory even calls Mr. Biden's campaign slogan, Build Back Better, a front for the conspiracy. Build back better. Building back better our economy. Build back better. All elements of the Great Reset are fundamental to building the future we need. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. It's a big effort to, some would say, to build back better. We would say to really have a great reset. Conspiracy, conspiracy. 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 <laughs> So everybody's saying build back. I like the last one. It sounded like from New Zealand. Build back bitter because it seems like a bitter building that's going on right now. This is the mantra for the Great Reset is the build back better. But what is the Great Reset? What is the goal by 2039 years? This is Davos, the most prominent world leaders, the most prominent billionaires and millionaires and zillionaires have got together with this plan, and this is their eight steps in the next nine years. So by 2030, you and I know, as you get older, time goes by fast, right? In nine years, but it's now accelerated because of corona. Check out this list of eight things and see if this is the world you want to live in.
so the great reset, this is their list of things. I love the first one. You will own nothing and you will be happy. What does that mean in nine years? Whatever you own, they want to take away from you. Socialism is redistribution. It's uh, about equality and inclusion and social justice and all of these dimensions that they're talking about, which simply means you say, well, None of these people, I promise you, all these billionaires and millionaires, none of them are giving up their money to the poor at all. They're in a category called the elites that are going to dictate what the rest of the world does. They're above it all, and everybody below them are peasants. And this is, this is the world in which they live. Now, Klaus Schwab, who is the architect and the mover and shaker to uh, amass around him the world leaders. Did you notice some things? What do we have to do? We have to do a better job with refugees and immigrants. Why is our southern border wide open and two million are coming through and there's absolutely no effort to stop it? Why is that? Because it's the plan. It, it's not a failure. All they'd have to do is call up military and go, you know, go and stop the border. They could stop it at any time. Um, this is the plan. Why are they doing this, bringing them in and busing them and they're shipping them all over the country? Why? Because this is the plan, a country without borders. Why did we vacate Afghanistan the way we did? Because of these kinds of ideas. I love it. You're, you're not going to eat meat very often. Why? Because global warming, the people that are <laughs> the global warming police, because animals flatulate and have... <laughs> right? Methane gas. So they're not good for the environment. I promise you, if our world is determined on cows farting, we're in bigger trouble, <laughs> right? So they're going to dictate your property ownership. They're going to dictate a, a, a countries without borders. That's why, why was Trump such a threat? America first. He was not a globalist. So they had to crush him and grind him out of the way because they want somebody like Joe Biden that will just open the southern border. A hundred different nationalities flooding across the border. Two million people in eight months. Now times that times four years, right? Because it's not closing. This is Klaus Schwab's own words in one minute, 60 seconds. Check this out, that it has given the great reset an opportunity to accelerate this great reset, to change the entire dynamic of the whole globe. First, um, I think it's uh, very important to know that uh, the COVID-19 uh, pandemics just has accelerated certain trends, which we had seen before and which actually were discussed in Davos this year like uh, the lack of inclusion, the lack of uh, paying sufficient uh, attention to the environment. So what we will see now is acceleration of those trends and, of course, a unique opportunity to reset our global agenda, to do something about all those negative developments. I include also the lack of international cooperation. Because if we don't address those issues, we will end up in a much worse world than we are today. So let's use this uh, window of opportunity and let's recreate a global framework which really is in line with the requirements of a society in the 21st century. 
So the acceleration that takes place on this, uh, this course and this plan. Now, is this a conspiracy theory? But as someone has wisely said, it's not a conspiracy theory when they tell you exactly what they're doing. Right? They're blatantly telling you what the plan is, what they're doing. Now, if it was a couple of uh, you know, eccentric types in a villa in Switzerland, I don't think we would listen to them. But if all the world leaders go to Davos and all the billionaires and millionaires and the movers and shakers of technocracy, the Bill Gates and the Mark Zuckerbergs and all, they're all powwowing and meeting together with this plan and agenda. It has obvious traction. Now, having said that, now contrast what is the cognitive dissonance against what we're seeing in our own country. 83,000 medical workers are now going to be fired in New York City. 83,000. Supreme Court, Sotomayor, uh, Supreme Court judge that was appointed by Obama, declined to hear their emergency stay. And all of that, when there's 100 million uh, Americans that have had COVID and recovered, this incredible study came out, the new study out of Israel, indicates natural immunity. Israel is the most vaccinated nation in the world, bar none, because they are very uh, forceful about it. This new study out of Israel indicates natural immunity offers 27 times more protection against COVID when compared with vaccination. It's encouraging to see this report come out of Israel as they have the highest vaccination rate in the world. It's not only 27 times stronger immunity against COVID, but it also is longer lasting. This is science. Wouldn't we all agree this is science? They're, they're the most vaccinated country in the world. They have the most data in the world, and this is what they're saying, but you have situations like this with Dr. Fauci even saying, <laughs> under question about this, he's a scientist. We've known natural immunities that existed a long time. I've known for a long time, since the time I was in the sixth grade, I'm probably never going to get chicken pox again, because I got it with my brother Scotty, and we had a blast. Right? He got his first chicken pock on Friday, and I literally almost hugged him all weekend so I didn't have to go to school on Monday. And I had my first pock on Monday. It was perfect, right? We just hung out. I've never thought about getting a vaccination for chicken pox because we understand this thing called natural immunity. But here's a guy in charge of the largest health budget organization in America doesn't know the answer to that question. Look at this clip. Took place this week. And just, and just real quickly, um, there was a study that came out of Israel about natural immunity. And basically the headline was that natural immunity provides a lot of protection, even better than the vaccines alone. Um, how, what, are, what are people to make of that? So, so as we talk about vaccine mandates, there are, I get calls all the time. People say, I've already had COVID, I'm protected. And now the study says maybe even more protected than the vaccine alone. Should they also get the vaccine? How do you make the case to them? You know, that's a really good point, Sanjay. I don't have a really firm answer for you on that. That's something that we're going to have to discuss regarding the durability of the response. The one thing the paper from Israel didn't tell you is whether or not as high as the protection is with natural infection, what's the durability compared to the durability mm. of a vaccine? So it is conceivable that you got infected, you're protected, 
but you may not be protected for an indefinite period of time. So I think that is something that we need to sit down and discuss seriously, because you very appropriately pointed out it is an issue, and there could be an argument for saying what you said. There just might be an argument about these things. 83,000 people are going to lose their jobs in New York. They're going to be able to get back if they're, while they're having discussions and having tea and crumpets when they know that this is an issue. How is it to reconcile in your mind seeing things like this? I about fell off the steps. <laughs> seeing this thing in your mind about this pressure for vaccination when natural immunity, which it won't even be discussed, why can't you go in to your boss with natural immunity and show your test and say, I'm vaccinated. I mean, I'm, I have stronger immunity than vaccinated, 27 times more. So instead, we have this this week. The new governor that took over for Cuomo, as if New Yorkers thought they were going to get a break, listened to the, the Pope of New York. We have to get this community back. And what we went through this pandemic made us stronger. I believe that, especially when I talk to young people who weren't able to have their graduations from high school or a normal life for the last 18 months. I say to them, whatever comes your way in life, you are stronger, you are more resilient. God let you survive this pandemic because he wants you to do great things someday. He lets you live through this when so many other people did not. And that is also your responsibility. But how do we keep more people alive? We are not through this pandemic. I wished we were, but I prayed a lot to God during this time. And you know what? God did answer our prayers. He made the smartest men and women, the scientists, the doctors, the researchers, he made them come up with a vaccine. That is from God to us. And we must say, thank you, God, thank you. And I wear my vaccinated necklace all the time to say, I'm vaccinated. All of you, yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones, but you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know this. You know who they are. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it and say, we owe this to each other. We love each other. Jesus taught us to love one another. And how do you show that love but to care about each other enough to say, Please get vaccinated because I love you. I want you to live. I want our kids to be safe when they're in schools. I want you to be safe when you go to a doctor's office or to a hospital and are treated by somebody. You don't want to get the virus from them. You're already sick or you wouldn't be there. We have to solve this, my friends. I need every one of you. I need you to let them know that this is how we can get, fight, fight this pandemic, come back to normal, and then start talking about the real issues that we have to fighting systemic racial injustice, which exists today. And if there's a denier, I will take you on any day because I've seen it. I know it exists. And we are not going to have a blind eye to this ever again any longer under my watch. And that is my commitment to you. So she segued great, right, to uh, <laughs> systemic racism from the necklace-wearing vaccine Pope of New York. So... Um, this is not a skit on Saturday Night Live. This is like legit. Right? I mean, it's hard, it's hard to fathom. Once again, we're not pro or anti. We just want you to be free. She doesn't want you to be free. She's praying to God, and you're now her apostles to, <laughs> to spread, the, spread the word. 
And, and get this, why everybody's talking about natural immunity because of this, so because so many people have gotten COVID? Check this out. Natural, hashtag natural immunity now is being censored as misinformation. Hashtag natural immunity is misinformation. I thought it would, you, yeah, yeah, never So, let me just share with you to bring the hope back, since I just, de- I just deflated the room, right? Whoosh. Now we're going to fill you back up with hope. We gave you a good, strong dose of reality of what's going on. But I sincerely believe that faith is not ignoring what's going on. Faith is in spite of it. That God is bigger and God can help us. Let's get our eyes on Jesus. These things are real, though, and this is what is going on in the world around us. We're not ignoring it. We're not just a church that getting together, having a little Bible study and singing kumbaya and having some cookies. Right? Because that's not the real world. That's why people are grasping for truth. This encourages me. Romans 1.18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. The entire American organization of government is suppressing truth and unrighteousness. They're holding it down. The rest of the world's popping it up all over the place. Right? But they got to hold it down. You, can, you have the technocrats on uh, Fang, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, you know, all of them, Twitter, they're suppressing the truth. So they'll, they have all of these uh, algorithms that if you mention vaccine or anything, even natural immunity being censored. But God is upset with people that suppress the truth. And God loves it when people turn the truth loose. The truth never needs to be afraid. You never have to be afraid if you're walking in truth, right? In 2 Corinthians 10, Paul the Apostle describes his ministry. And I want you to know, because people ask Rob and I all the time, why are you doing what you're doing? Teaching the Bible and being relevant to your culture, which seems like a, you know, duh moment to me. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The entire movement that is global for socialism and communism is the supreme power is the government. They must crush the church and remove the church because the supreme power of socialism and communism is the state. So as they're trying to rise, I believe just like false idolatry that rises up, It is our job to cast down every argument that is exalting itself against the knowledge of God. In Ephesians 5.11, Paul says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. I don't want to be complicit in all of this misinformation of the suppression of the truth that's going on, but rather expose them. What are we doing here tonight? We're exposing them. We're showing them. Jesus said in John 8, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. The truth sets you free. You don't have to be afraid of the truth. You can declare the truth. It reminds me of of, uh, Charles Spurgeon one time was asked about God's word. Mr. Spurgeon, how do you defend the Bible? And he laughed. He said, defend the Bible? He said, like you defend a lion, you just open its cage and let it out. 
right? You don't have to defend the lion, just turn the thing loose and it'll defend itself. And the truth will defend itself. Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things. As we talk to tell the truth in love directly, honestly, but lovingly, and sometimes I go over the line from that. So the Lord's always pulling me back. Yeah, you're being truthful, Rick, but you're not being very loving. And I'm like, yeah, but they totally torqued me off. <laughs> Lord's like, I know, just dial it back. Just dial it back. Just be the truth in love. You can still do it. Okay. Lord says, you, I mean, somebody told me one time, Rick, you can say anything you want as long as you put a smile on your face. <laughs> Keep saying the same thing. But this is how we end it. What do we do with leaders in office like that? Paul the Apostle, when he was writing this to Timothy, one of the craziest leaders in Rome's history was on the throne. His name was Nero. And this is what he told Timothy. He said, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Paul the Apostle says, I want you to pray for all the governmental leaders in authority because it's God's desire that we get to share the hope of Jesus with our neighbors. And praying gives us grace and God's favor and intervention so that we can continue preaching the gospel. You see, our number one job is to preach the gospel. But if we're not praying for favor and, and for the Lord to hold at bay the tyrants, we're not going to have this freedom any longer. They're going to shut us up because you've got to shut up the preachers and you've got to shut down the churches and you've got to do these things. So the reality is, even as painful as it is, we need to be praying for our leaders. So right now, we're going to pray for our leaders. We're going to have the worship team come back up. We're going to have communion after we pray for our leaders as we get our eyes on Jesus because the real reality is the Lord has this. The Lord sees what's going on. These are these incredible prophetic last days where all these uh, pieces to the prophetic puzzle are coming together. And so we're watching it, but we need to continue to stand fast in the liberty that God has for us. Let's pray right now for our leaders. Do exactly, we want to be obedient believers so we can keep preaching the gospel as Paul the Apostle tells us. Father, we just ask in Jesus' mighty name that you give us obedient hearts to pray for our leaders and those who are in authority. Lord, we pray for President Biden, Vice President Harris, all of the senators and the representatives. We pray for Gavin Newsom and all our local uh, authorities, the city council, the county supervisors, the county sheriff. Lord, we pray for all the officials through the state of California. Lord, that, that touch and affect our lives. And Lord, we are praying as a body, agreeing together, Lord, for you to pour out your spirit, pour out your grace, bring them to their knees, bring them into the reality of their tyranny, bring them to repentance, bring them to faith in you, bring them into salvation that they might love liberty and give it to us, your people. Lord, we pray that you would intercede, that you would intervene. Lord, you spoke to Pharaoh in dreams. You spoke to Nebuchadnezzar in dreams. You spoke to kings and those who are in authority. Lord, speak into their lives. Lord, we pray for Ventura County that this would be an enclave of liberty and freedom and safety and a sanctuary for people that love liberty. Bring the right people to the right place at the right time, Lord. 
as we head towards the elections next year, Lord, that you would intervene and because we are praying and doing exactly what you ask us to do. So Lord, in Jesus' mighty name, would you work in these people's lives so that we might live and enjoy the life you've given us. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You have your communion there. Going to start with the bread. We're going to thank Jesus for giving his body for us. Lord Jesus, you have given us the most incredible gift that someone can give to another. You said, Greater love hath no one than to lay down his life for his friends. And Lord Jesus, you gave your body, they brutally beat your body. abused you, mocked you, beat you. And Lord, you said that this bread was a reminder that each time we did it, it was to remember that your body was given for us. We can't believe it, Lord, that you would go through such an agonizing experience of suffering someone like us. Jesus, through all of these intense times that we're going through, Lord Jesus, may you may you be high and lifted up. May you be our central focus. May you be our all in all, Lord Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Lord, have it holding communion right now in this piece of bread is such a great way to remember you. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your body. Let's take the bread together. And as we hold the cup, Lord Jesus, remembering your blood that was shed for us, your blood that was poured out to wash away our sins, to cleanse us and to forgive us from all sins. There's nothing, Lord Jesus, your blood cannot wash and cleanse. Thank you so much for your cleansing blood. Lift our hearts, fill us with faith, hope, and love, Lord Jesus, as we remember we are liberated by you and to stand fast in that liberty because of your blood, the high price that your blood was paid, that we might be free people. We ask it in Jesus' name. Let's take the cup together. Let's stand together as we're just worshiping the Lord. This closing song, I want you to know there's going to be a prayer team down here. They'd love to pray for you. Maybe you need a touch of healing. They'll lay hands on you, anoint you with oil. Maybe you just need just a, a word of encouragement. Don't leave here tonight without the Lord ministering to your heart, touching your heart with whatever's going on on the prayer team. I'd love to pray for you. Let's worship the Lord as we wrap up worship.